Hello, it's Bronwyn Logan here from the Reiki Women Podcasts, and here I have a snapshot. And a snapshot is of, look, here she is, the lovely Kimberly Peeler Ringer. Hello, Kimberly. Hi, how are you? I'm really well. Now, Kimberly is a Reiki practitioner, and she also has a website blog called The Churched Feminist, which is pretty fascinating. And you should go and have a read and, and find out what she's on about. She lives in Chicago, and today, uh, Kimberly is going to talk to us about what drew her to the system of Reiki. Yes, happy to share. Um, a little bit about my background. I have Native American ancestry in my family tree. And my mother and her sisters were always talking about these realms that we occupy. You know, there is a conscious plane that we're in, there is a dream plane, there is a spiritual plane, and we're always navigating the space between the two. So that's always kind of been an informant to my theological development. And um, I like the idea of sacred energy, of spiritual energy, because it, it again echoes what I have been taught to believe that we occupy different planes, that we are spiritual expressions, having human experiences and things of that nature. So the earth, the earth key, the heaven key, the heart key, I was like, yep, got that, <laughs> bought the t-shirt, the, the, the cap, the keychain, the mug, I've got it all, right? <laughs> um, but for me, particularly I'm drawn to it because I need a place of stillness. Like this is very important for me personally, because I have anxiety, I suffer from depression. And in those moments when my emotions are rising and really just kind of whooshing together, Reiki gives me a place to allow my spirit to catch up with my body. And the culture that we live in, everything is just rush, rush, rush. You know, like when I was a kid, you had to wait 30 minutes for a baked potato out of the oven, <laughs> right? But like now you pop something in the microwave for two minutes and it's just too long, right? It's just too long. You stand there <laughs> watching it count down because we just can't be still for two minutes. And you know how aggravated we get in traffic. And I'm talking about myself too, because I do it too. Um, and it's, it's jarring to think how impatient and how opposed we are and obstinate about having to wait for anything, right? We want uh, so much to be fast. And I think we have just gotten accustomed to um, having unrealistic expectations about what it means to be accessible to people. You know, you hear that text ding and you're grabbing your phone to respond immediately or that email whoosh and you're immediately opening up your laptop to see what someone is saying to you. Um, but we need time for quiet reflection. I think that's crucial to our own healing and development. And Reiki gives me an outlet for that. And I found, I've heard the term before, but I was never exposed to it until I went for an acupuncture treatment at a healing salon that I go to. And there was a woman there having a Reiki treatment. So I was like, oh, I've never seen that before. I, and, you know, they, of course, it's private and they take you back. But the woman who was doing it when she came out, she, she talked to me and I, could, I asked her if she could tell me a little bit more about what she was doing. And she was like, would you like me to give you a, a Reiki treatment just for a few minutes? And I was like, sure. Right. 
And I really enjoyed it. It was calming and it was relaxing. And um, it just really gave me a space to disconnect from the world and to reconnect with God or universe or spirit or however you call the entity that is above us, uh, however one chooses to name that space. And Reiki also gave me a place to channel my grief. Uh, my brother died a few years ago from cancer and I was taking care of him remotely because we live in different cities and it was a lot. Um, first, you don't have time to even deal with this revelation that your sibling, someone that you love, has a disease that they are not likely to recover from. That in and of itself is a lot. But then having to handle his affairs in the meantime, because it was in his brain. And when you have cancer in the brain, legally, you can't make decisions. So, you know, I'm making these decisions for him and I'm also working and people are calling, asking, is it okay if we do this or that? And it was just a lot. So the practice of Reiki gave me a way to navigate these torrents by being able to center quietly within myself. And to me, that is, it was so necessary. And I don't know how I would have made it through that experience uh, without that. So um, I was formally introduced to it just by happenstance. My husband practices Aikido. Nice. So he goes to a, a dojo in Chicago, the Japanese Cultural Center. And he saw a sign going up for our Veronique Freire, who was teaching an introductory Reiki class. And he said, hey, you know, there's a Reiki class at my dojo. I, I think you might be interested in that. So I signed up and I went through Reiki 1 and Reiki 2 with Veronique. And I am now a certified Reiki practitioner. And that's how I got to be here. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, what does that mean for you? I know you have, you know, as you were saying, you have um, your beliefs. So mm -hmm. how does that all fit in together with, with what you already knew from your um, culture, from your family, from your yeah. environment? Um, yeah. Well, uh, growing up, my mother and her sisters really kind of uh, had a practice of laying hands on. They didn't call it that, but I remember like uh, the oldest sister is the one that they all deferred to. And whenever a child was born, they would bring them to her and she would go through like a ritual with them that was kind of like Reiki. But of course, as a kid, I didn't have language for that. So this whole idea of laying on hands and of course in the Christian church, the Baptist church, there's also an apostolic succession of laying on hands. So these are not unfamiliar concepts, but for me, it is the, the precepts themselves that really echo in the same universal teachings that Jesus taught himself, you know, like, and I find that Reiki really reinforces that it's not anti that they really work together to give it a broader experience of what Jesus was talking about you know, the love of God, the love of self, the love of others. And those are the themes that run through the Reiki precepts, you know, like just for today, right? That's Matthew 6, 34, when Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will have worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. 
you know, the onus is on being present in this moment, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we need to really dig deep and see how we can have a practice of just taking on today's stuff because there's just so much to worry about for, you know, I mean, I could think of 10 things that I'm probably internally stressed about, but just for today, you know, I'm going to not take that on. I'm going to be present with my husband, present with my tasks, present with, you know, the things that I am assigned to do because that's the best thing that I can do for the world is not be another person adding to the stress of it, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, the re I release all worry. You know, Jesus talks about that. Don't worry about your life. Uh, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or worry about your body, about what you will wear. You know, it's, it's the same concept. It's like, don't get so wrapped up in the analysis that you are not giving your own self an opportunity to really uh, dig deep and go within and connect with that part of you. And even Jesus as a figure had a practice where he would spend time alone away from the disciples and, and neededly so because they probably drove him to drink literally and figuratively. But, you know, the, just managing all those different personalities, you can almost imagine even Jesus, you know, needed a respite from human beings. You know, and as an introvert, I certainly can relate to that because sometimes, you know, people can be like what I like to call energy vampires. It's like, I really like you, but oh, you're sucking me dry right now. And I need to have a place where I can go and just build myself back up again. And Reiki gives me an opportunity to do that. And I think that we should allow people that privilege, you know, not everyone is an extrovert. Not everyone has the energy or even the bandwidth to be, you know, on all the time. So these keep working back to the same point for me is that this spiritual energy is that part of us that is like divinity. And this is your opportunity to commune one-on-one -on -one with it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because these days I hear a lot more people talking about some of the things that you've spoken about, which I think were almost perhaps Mm, a little, well, some were taboo, some were just not popular thoughts and things like talking about our anxiety and our depression, yeah? Mm. Um, now it's becoming um, more acceptable to actually admit that, you know, and, and, and that's it because it's a part of, of, of humankind, yeah? But yeah. also, you know, even when you're saying, like, I'm an introvert, and I think that we, there's been this thing where we've, somehow in our society we've wanted people not to be introverts it's like yeah. no you've got to be out there you've got to do this you've got to do that and so people are starting to say hang on that's not me and I'm okay yeah and yeah. Uh, I, I love that I think the more people that that say those things and the more that people start to go oh okay so that that's that's that means I can I can admit to that too you know, it's, it's a, yes. I, I hope that is the case hmm. because for those of us who need it, you know, we need the people in our lives who are supportive of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. To make the choices for ourselves in terms of who we allow in our tribes to begin with. Uh, you know, if you have someone who's put off that you need time by yourself, 
just, you know, to calm yourself down, then that person's probably shouldn't hold a tier one, tier two, tier three space in your tribe. You know, they should probably be relegated a bit. You know what I'm saying? It helps us discover who we are. And for a lot of people that's gotten so lost in just the hustle of life that we just get up and we do and don't even think about, you know, ourselves and what our own needs are. And when Jesus says, you know, we should love God as we love our neighbors and love ourselves as we love our neighbors. And people forget that part that you have to love yourself. Yeah. It's a mandate. It's not a suggestion. It's something that we have to do. And I think so many of us are just forgetting how. And that's like Mikhail Yusui says, you have to work on yourself first. And what he's saying is, use the precepts, you know, be compassionate to yourself, right? Exactly. Be compassionate with yourself. And that that's when uh, like the tale of Sato really echoed with me because for those of us who do, you know, we can't be on all the time. There are just some days where even getting out of bed is an effort. You know, it takes a real effort. That was such a wonderful moment for me when I read that. I was like, oh, even in Reiki, there's people who are not, you know, we're not uh, like these spiritually perfect, I'm always having a good day type of beings because we're not, the full human experience is not always positive. Yeah. And you know, Um, it's funny because I've heard people say, oh, you know, oh, that that Reiki practitioner got sick. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) It's like, uh, yep, that's life. <laughs> All right, exactly. People get sick. <laughs> if anything, we've learned over the past couple of years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, look, there's um, two more things I want to talk to with you. I, I probably can talk to you about lots of stuff. But um, <laughs> one is I just want to talk a little bit about being a woman because I know you're a feminist and I, I think a lot of people are feminists, but they don't call themselves feminists. You call yourself a feminist. So I want to speak about that. And um, yeah, I, and the other one we'll come to. So the feminist part of you, tell me about that and um, what it means to you and, and how you're working with that in this world that we live in. Well, in my religious experience, you know, I've covered quite a few denominations and some are more affirming of women than others. So I've, I've had both experiences of, you know, the men who will turn their backs to you if you're in a robe because it's an offense to them to see women investments, uh, that type of thing. And one of the things about my blog that really makes me the happiest is that I'm able to talk to women in those positions and let them know that God knew that you were a woman when God put on your heart that there is a a service, a work for you to complete. Yeah. So it's not an issue. There is nothing that God has in common with masculinity that God doesn't have in common with femininity. You know what I mean? Like the Bible is not just uh, for men, it's for all of us. You know, we all have to struggle to find ourselves in it because it's such a far removed experience, but women are there and we're just taught to see past them. You know, and, and I think of one example I could give is, you know, uh, the parable of the prodigal son and the mother's absence, you know, I call it the, the parable of the absent mother. Where is the mother? 
you know? And is the absence of a mother the reason why there's so much consternation between these two brothers? Yeah. We can read ourselves into the text, even if we're not named. And even the women who are in the text, they're being written about by men so much so that they don't even get names, you know? Like Lot's wife, just, uh, yeah, Mrs. Lot's wife, you know, no, no name is even provided. So I think what happens is in feminism, we uphold the value of all people. We're not androcentric. We don't privilege maleness above femaleness. And when you think about how people benefit from that privilege, how people benefit from patriarchy, how people benefit from, you know, men holding all the power in church, that's not what Jesus did. You know, Jesus did not do that. Jesus would sit and drink with anybody who would listen. And Jesus didn't have a tiered system of that either. So if we're going to call ourselves, you know, followers of this person who is actively demonstrating what it would be if we lived 100% according to our theology. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, anyone can say they're a Christian, there's no law against impersonating a Christian, but you know a Christian by how they smell, the same way you know an orange has been eaten by the fragrance that is everywhere. Do you know what I mean? No one has to tell you. Someone just ate an orange in here. You can smell for yourself. And that's what you want your witness to be. You want people to know that about you because you're demonstrating it, not because you have a sticker on your car or something like that, you know, or you're wearing <laughs> the vest, the cross or something. I think that your actions are what speak most of who you are. And many of the men who are just so you know, set for patriarchy as God's order. There's so much in the Bible that contradicts that. So what do you do with that? Do you know what I mean? It's like, we have to address this. Of course. And and when we have privilege, Mm -hmm. because we all have privilege in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. But when we have, and so, you know, I I have privilege and and when I have privilege, it's hard for me to see my own privilege. And I think that's for a lot of the situations that you might be talking about there as well. Yes, which is why I offer what I call, you know, trauma-informed, liberating readings of the Bible, because so much in the Bible is traumatizing for women. But there's a lot in the Bible that is also positive and uplifting to women. It's just that that gets kind of glossed over. You know, I I, I could give another example of that. And I like to use these Lucan parables because I think people are really familiar with them. But in the trilogy of the parable of the lost son and the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep there's a god figure who goes looking for the person right in the in the the parable of the lost sheep it is the shepherd who is the god figure who goes looking for the one sheep that's gotten out of the herd and leaving the 99 you know and then in the lost son it's the father right who's looking for the lost son who throw, who kisses his neck and is like welcome home you know all of that but in the parable of the lost coin the god is the woman who is sweeping her place looking for that lost coin. And see, if if you don't pay attention, you know, these are the things that get glossed over. But feminine energy of God is all through the Bible. We've just read past it. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of like to uh, put the brakes on, stop, don't miss this. (laughs) 
So that's what I do. <laughs> Thank you very much. And it's lovely to hear that, you know, and I, I'm sure for people um, who are involved in the church, especially women, but also for men, you know, to pay attention, right? And uh, that's right. Thank you. Yes, because um, unlearning is for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. And before we go, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was something that you mentioned at the beginning, which is uh, you talked about your Native American ancestry. And I was just curious about you talk about these different um, uh, spaces. And I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on that, because I love all of that stuff so much. And, um, and even just find a little bit of correlations, maybe with the system of Reiki, which I think you do. Yeah. Yes, there are on um, my mother's side of the family, there's Cherokee ancestry and a lot of Cherokee rituals and Cherokee mindfulness are very much in line with Reiki rituals. Uh, for example, the, there is a specific meditation that you do for the ancestors. There are specific meditations and reflections that you do when you're seeking guidance. There are reflections that you do when you just simply need to channel within and calm down and seek wisdom. And they're very similar in terms of, you know, there's this chakra alignment and then there is how we do it in Reiki. And then there's the way it's done in Cherokee culture. It's like most religions have this, this centering and alignment practice that is supposed to help us heal that is supposed to help us connect to things that have gone before and to help us to calm ourselves down and find healing and purpose in our own moments. You know, like I learned so much from them in terms of, okay, let's calm this down. Let's seek guidance from within. And then after we've done that, let's regroup. And when you see, you know, a lot of the, the stories about fire and sitting around the fire, you know, even that itself is a spiritual practice. It is the practice of coming together and seeking for the purpose of bettering the tribe. So, yeah. I mean, I just see corollaries in everything and it just, it gives me this sense that, you know, a river, a brook, a stream, an ocean, a lake all contain water. And they're just different ways of talking about the truth. They have different names, right? They have yeah. different locations and places, but it's all water. <laughs> so I, I look at it that way, that we all have these things in common and it helps me to be like, I would, I would be offended by someone who is downcasting someone simply because they don't believe as you do. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the most hateful things that you can do. It, it helps build tolerance and, you know, for you to be respectful and loving of your neighbor means accepting them. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's that connection um, that we can make with everybody across the planet, mm -hmm. right? Because we exactly. all have, we have commonalities. Mm -hmm. And um, those commonalities don't just need to be those basic things. There's a lot of spiritual commonalities as well. And uh, yeah, and uh, humans tend to work in a certain way. And, you know, um, that whole idea that you, you know, you were talking about earlier where we, we work with the earth and the heavens and, you know, we all come together in that centerpiece of, of humanity. And um, 
maybe, you know, it's seen slightly differently in different cultures, but really those ideas can, you can, you can pinpoint a, a, across the planet. Exactly. Yeah. And once you see that you have actually more in common than you think, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, I think it releases positiveness back into the world. Yeah. I really firmly believe that. And, you know, when I was a kid and my brother and I were little, she would uh, get on my brother all the time because he was always like killing things like stomping on ants and things like that. And she would talk to him and say, this, this blade of grass has as much right to live as you do. Yeah. And you don't have the right to extinguish it. Those are I amazing mean, lessons. Beautiful. It, lessons. Yeah. I never forgot it. And it, it's even now I will step over and ant <laughs> because I don't know what he's doing. He's going to feed his little family or, you know, absolutely. absolutely. And, and I don't have the right to stop him from that. You know, I don't want to hurt anything because yeah. you realize that all living things have value. Yeah. They have sacred energy, you know, and I don't have the right to disturb that. I'm going to finish on that note. That is absolutely beautiful. And I think people can definitely take away a lot from, from all different things that you've told us today and discussed with us. So thank you so much, Kimberly. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, mine as well. It's a thrill to meet you. <laughs> well, bye for now. Maybe we'll see each other again. Yeah. I hope so. Take care. <laughs> See you. Bye-bye.